Thank you so much for being here, Sahara. I really appreciate having Sahara Rose here with us today from the Travel Coach Network. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you're at in the world and what kinds of things you do? Yeah, I'd love to. I am someone who grew up with in a smaller family who we didn't travel very much when I was younger. But so traveling to me was so far out of reach of what would be possible. I always thought that it was very expensive to travel um, or, you know, it was going to take a big bite out of your budget. And I also grew up as an only child to a single mom. So we had not that much money to spend on traveling, let alone like groceries and everything. So I just didn't think traveling was ever going to be something for me. But as I got older, I had I've also always struggled with an anxiety disorder which got worse when I got into college and I was focusing in school a lot and working a lot. And I started developing bouts of depression among my anxiety. And I just found myself in a place uh, during those years that I was just not very happy. And I just didn't really know what I wanted out of a lot out of life. Mm-hmm. But I enrolled in a tourism program uh, in my third year of university. And it was in that very first day of that class that I was really inspired. Once I graduated, um, I wanted to go and travel the world. And sitting in the seat as a broke college student, I had no idea how I was going to be able to do that. But it was something that I knew that I wanted for myself. And through changing my money mindset, two years later after graduating, or I had two more years till I graduated school. And upon graduation, I decided to take a very unconventional route in life. I bought a one-way ticket to Ireland, I packed a backpack, and I set off to travel. And over the next decade, I traveled over 84 countries solo before starting my businesses that my travel inspired me to start. My goodness. Wow. I I have so many questions. (laughs) Firstly, where's your favorite place to go in the world? That's always a hard question, but one that I was talking about recently with another traveler was my love of Thailand. Um, it's a place that could be definitely overrated, especially in the world of backpacking and budget travel, but it is a place that I would naturally, I would gravitate back to for various reasons. And not only does it have beautiful beaches and a lot of nature and animals, but the people are so kind and the culture is amazing. Everything from the street markets and the cheap um, street foods, it's very easy to spend very little money there. And I really just fell in love with Thailand. So I went back quite a few times. Wow. Did you find it more challenging as a, as an, a traveler who traveled by yourself? Um, I did not because... I'm not really sure. I I kind of become a different uh, persona when I travel. I also don't know if it was because I grew up as an only child. So I've always been very independent Mm -hmm. and I never had a dad. So I never really had to, I never knew the feeling of having someone, of course, my mom is absolutely amazing, but I never had the feeling of someone necessarily having to protect me or, or, you know, 
care for me or guide me or pave my way for any of that stuff. So to me, I just clicked into this mode where I could go and accomplish these things. Of course, there were the challenges along the way of, you know, the the more most logistics is this uh, language, which many people feel like I can't travel to certain places because I don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. But the more that I traveled and the more experiences I had, the more I realized how doable it is for so many people. Um, people don't realize that tourism is one of the uh, the biggest driving factors for a lot of economies around the world. And when you think about who travels most, it's going to be, of course, people from the States, uh, Western Europeans, Australians, Canadians, and the common ground they all have is to speak English. So most places around the world, you're going to find someone who you can communicate at least or someone help you communicate if you don't speak any other languages. Um, so I only speak Spanish and English and I, you know, have traveled around the globe and made it work. Now there's so many technology and tools to help you with translations. So all these uh, limiting beliefs throughout my journey, I kind of debunked along the way of, you know, can I do this on my own? Can I afford it? I feel I'm a big believer. If you put your mind towards something, you can really accomplish it. So tell me about, you said you had more than one business. So what else do you have? What other businesses do you run? Yeah, so I'm the founder of the Travel Coach Network and then all which is a global community of travel coaches. And then I am a wellness travel coaching consultant myself. I started my wellness travel coaching business first in 2018 and then founded the TCN in early 2019. And the reason I fell into the world of travel coaching was because despite having a degree in hospitality and tourism management, when I graduated in 2010, I could have easily taken any job in, I was living in Chicago at the time. So it's a big touristy city, a lot of opportunities, hotels, conventions, events, businesses galore. And none of that I knew for myself, I didn't want to sit in an office. I didn't want someone to dictate to me when I could go on a vacation. I just knew that about myself because I had worked so many jobs that, you know, were limiting to my, my ability to, to travel when I was in school. And I, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't never, I was never someone who knew my life path. And, but I did know what I didn't want out of my life and out of a career. And so therefore my traveling around the world, I used it as a way to gain inspiration and buy myself time to quote unquote, figure out my life and figure out my career path. And I always say I travel during a really prime time in the industry where I started traveling in 2010 with a flip phone that didn't turn on for service and a paper map to travel around (laughs) with. And nowadays we have every social media platform and technology and travel tool possible booking platforms and everything. So I had a really, I have a really unique perspective in the industry. Also, I'm a millennial. I understood I was there with the, the beginning of the digital nomad craze. Now we have this real work uh, industry going and um, people leaving the nine to five to travel. So I was very insightful of what the industry was doing, what was happening, what people were looking for. And also because travel was so healing for me, I also had thousands and tons of thousands of conversations with travelers around the world on why they actually traveled, like what what were the reasons they were traveling? Why do they want to quit their job to travel? What did travel mean to them? Why did they wish they can have more vacation time? All of that good stuff. 
And that inspired me that I was like, well, none of the jobs I hear about, I don't want to plan and book trips. I've, I've never been interested in being a travel agent and being into that industry. I didn't want to write about travel. I didn't want to blog. I didn't want to work in hotels. Never was my thing. Didn't want to be a flight attendant, popular in the contrary belief. I'm actually scared of flying. I hate it. Um, and it's my anxiety. So it just got worse over the years. But that those jobs and then the industry was saying, well, if you love travel, these are the only options you have. And for me, I was like, that can't be. I have so much knowledge and experience. And I've seen so many parts of this world, there has to be something else that I can do. And so when I decided to create my own business, because I couldn't find what I was looking for when I was 30 years old, and I said, I'm going to focus as a wellness travel coach and and work with companies. And then the next year I had many travelers asking about travel coaching and everything. And that's when I founded the travel coach network and the certification program. Yeah. The, well, the travel coach program, it started as a travel coach program and now it's a travel coach certification program. It got accredited about two and a half, three years ago, I think it is. Um, it gets reaccredited every year through the International Coach Federation. But essentially I created as I was building my wellness travel coaching business, I was documenting all of my research, everything I was doing, all the business strategy I was doing and trying, everything I learned about the industry, I was putting it into a program where I can help others because I didn't have a place where I can go and learn how to be a travel coach or, or combine it into a business that I you know, couldn't find for myself. And so I essentially built what I was looking for uh, when I was an aimless backpacker and it evolved over time as it grew and the industry grew and more interest. And then I had many travel agents come in during the pandemic looking to enhance their services. So it really took um, a form that I never saw coming. And so it's, it's a, it's a certification program. It's a very, um, it's self-paced nine modules, but also it's a community of incredible travel loving entrepreneurs who love to think outside the box and get more authentic and real on what travel can do for people. What would you say that that the money mindset part changed for you? How how did that enhance your businesses? Yeah, that's a great question. So going back to when I was just a broke college student who was determined to travel, because I grew up in with an only uh, as an only child with a single mom and we grew up with not very much money it was never said to me, but I'm a very apathetic person. And so I would, I, I attach to people's energy and emotions. So to me, I would see my mom struggling financially over the years. And therefore in my head at a young age, I was like, money is something I have to hold on to. If you, I work hard for money and I have to hold on to it. Um, and I carried that with me throughout my teens and then through university and but when I said, I, I'm going to figure out how I can travel, I knew that I had to depend on myself. I didn't have anyone to help me financially. And I, um, I was still in school full time, but I said, I'm going to take a look at what can I do? What does my schedule look like? So can I pick up other jobs? What, what kind of jobs can I work? And also where are my expenses already? So I, made small tweaks, like I got rid of my cable at the time. And luckily, I didn't have a car, I would take public transportation, but I would use coupons for groceries, I would just try to minimize my expenses the most the most I could. 
But also, I would work a lot of jobs that I found really interesting. I loved being with kids, so I would babysit a nanny. I would work, I'd sign up for different staffing agencies in Chicago, so they would, could give me options of things to work, and I could say yes or no to them. And then I worked in the restaurant industry there too, which was quite lucrative. And I would just work a lot where I wouldn't be spending my money, I'd be making and saving it. And so upon graduation, I had saved more than I thought I would, and I was ready to go backpack. And then as tra- as I was traveling, what people often think is, well, you ran out of money and you went home, because I'm not someone who ever worked while I traveled. And that's not initially the case. I never ran out of money, and I wouldn't allow that to happen to me. Um, but I would keep track of my budget and say, well, once I get in this range in my bank account, I'll consider you know, whether I should go back home and find a job or what do I want to do? But I also traveled to places that were very affordable to stay longer in. Um, but in business, all of that also had to take shift also because in business, as you know, we have to invest in ourselves. We have to invest in what we are trying to accomplish, whether it's programs and courses. I've worked with so many mentors and advisors. I've joined different types of masterminds and events, in-person conferences. Um, I've hired team um, members to help me. Um, you know, there's a lot of expenses when it comes to growing a business. And so it's still something I work on every day of letting go of the money that I make because it does show that when I do, it does come back to you. And that's something I've always heard. But until I started doing it, then I finally realized it too. But your money mindset is something that you really have to work on if you are going to start and grow a business. Tell me about the the wellness portion of your business. Yeah, so when I was thinking about what I want to do as a wellness as a travel coach, I knew that travel was healing in so many different ways, and we travel for very personal reasons, other than what the industry is talking about. So other than how tourism and hospitality companies market themselves, and also other than what the wellness tourism industry talks about as well. To me, wellness travel isn't about gyms, spas, yoga retreats, and wellness centers. To me, travel is wellness and wellness is travel. So we always travel, whether it's that we're intentionally traveling for wellness, but usually it's somewhere in deep down inside of us. We're traveling to fulfill something. We're traveling to get a break from something, to decrease our stress levels, or to you know um, have human connection again. You know, after the post after the pandemic, all of these are under the categories of wellness, whether they're emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, social, intellectual, or more. Even um, traveling as a digital nomad, that's a wellness uh, type of travel too. Travel can inspire us to be more creative, to learn about other ways of doing things. um, So that professional well-being also. And so I found it interesting that companies, tourism, hospitality companies were not talking about this. And also that companies themselves were not valuing travel in the workplace. And there was a big roaring burnout epidemic among corporate workers pre-pandemic. And now we're seeing companies struggling to get them back because everyone wants to have freedom, flexibility, and remote work. And within that, there's a commonality among all of those trends, which is people's desire to travel. 
people were quitting their corporate job to travel the world. And I said, well, isn't that going to be a problem for companies? Like, why are they not paying attention to how much people value travel? And so whether that is sabbaticals or their vacation policies, or even just incorporating elements of travel, uh, which are like, sharing about different cultures, sharing about different traditions, um, getting to understand one another and our, our differences, all of this helps with team building and, and company culture. And that's something I talked about recently in a TEDx talk. Oh, I love TEDx. I was able to uh, run a TEDx in my own town. And uh, it's funny, my oh, last wow. guest, yes, a lot. my last guest was talking about their TEDx as well. So I like the thread there. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's... um. I did it in October of last year. So it was my first TEDx talk. And I talked about how embracing travel can help build happier and more united communities, both in and outside of the workplace. Oh, excellent. So that is on the TEDx website. Should we want yeah, to find it? On their YouTube, yeah. Yay. Oh, that's great. So that's a really nice segue because one of the questions I had for you was you were talking about the different communities that you have met and people that you have spoken with when you were traveling. Can you tell me a couple of different experiences that were very meaningful to you while you were traveling? Yeah. So one of the, um, there's different types of communities, but there's the communities among the travelers themselves mm -hmm. that I really valued and became kind of addictive to me. Um, I always joke and say I have more friends in other countries than I do in my own hometown um, because it's kind of true. I um, found a lot of, commonalities with different travelers and the the passion for exploration and 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 enriching your lives through travel um so i often stayed in hostels and i would take um community buses or something where i can also meet other people mm -hmm. um but then there's also the community of the locals too and one of my favorite places that I've been to was the Philippines. And that really gave me a new perspective on what community is all about. And the reason being is because I actually went shortly after a super typhoon hit the part of the Philippines. And this was years ago. It was my first time in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. I was in Japan and then Taiwan. And then a super typhoon went through where I was supposed to fly into the Philippines. Um, I had a lot of Filipino friends in the city of Chicago. So I was very interested in learning more about their country and their cuisine and everything that I had already heard about. So I was going to go there, but of course I couldn't because of the, the typhoon. So I had about a month before I could fly in to Cebu, Philippines. And in that time frame, I was doing some research on how I can just go and help. I didn't have a, a schedule. I didn't have a game plan of where I needed to be or what I needed to do. So I said, I have the time and, and flexibility. I would love to come and help in the Philippines. So I came across a, a small group um, of volunteers organizing a group on an island called Bentayan outside of Cebu, one of the bigger cities. And I said, I don't need anything from you. I'll make my way there. So they gave me directions how to fly into Cebu and how to get to the island, which was far up the coast. So it was quite the journey to get there. But I ended up living on this island for about a month and a half at first. Um, it was very devastated. It the weather was still terrible, but the people there were some of the kindest people I've ever met. And you would think that someone who had very little to begin with and had everything taken away, that they wouldn't ha be so high in spirits, but instead they were so happy, so welcoming, so joyful, so giving. And 
here we are trying to help them and instead they try helping us instead by feeding us and giving us shelter and a warm place and dry place to sleep and um you know a big smile they put on performances and dances and the school would put on you know different dance routines for us and it was just a remarkable experience um it's a lot of the volunteers ended up kind of getting adopted by the families there and they ended up living there and you know finding partners there and um i went to revisit two years later the exact same island and saw a lot of the exact same people and it was really a transformative experience that showed me you know as long as you have each other and material things don't matter and there's so much more to find joy out of life than to have what we often think is what we need to make us happy. It's been such an amazing experience. Yeah, it's really, I talk about the Philippines a lot just because it's such an underrated place, not only with its beauty and its beaches are incredible, but just the people and the culture and everything too. One of the things you talked about was um, different snacks. So what's your favorite travel snacks? Do you pack stuff while you're traveling or are you, it sounds like you probably pick up stuff when you're in the place. It depends because I was a budget traveler. Mm -hmm. I tried to avoid buying airport food. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would, of course, I would always pack, especially before I would go on a longer backpacking trip, um, snacks. So I would make trail mix or I would get bananas or grapes or something that I was able to take through the airport. Mm -hmm. Um, and lots of granola bars and to see how long that would last me. But a lot of the places I traveled to were so cheap that I would get stuff, of course, there. What I would always do before I would change des destination and it, I would change currency is I would take a look at the coins that I have because and the smaller bills that I had because a lot of foreign exchange um, places don't allow you to change coins or small bills. So instead of having all of this, I, I mean, granted, I have tons that has been left over in my collection of foreign money, but I would try to do my best and I would go to a local market or a shop or try to spend this change on getting more snacks. So it, I knew I had a long journey or I knew I was going to be in the airport for a long time or I was on a very long bus ride. I would try to spend all this small money on um, snacks for myself. I love that. I've, I've done that similar kind of thing. And I, I like doing that even in the States. It's really fun because there's regional differences. And it's just really fun to, I'm not really one for physical souvenirs. I don't know about you. I, I just, it's not really, I don't have the space. Um, so yeah. pretty, pretty much for me, one of the things that I like to get is tea or coffee from where I am, uh, where I'm traveling to because it's consumable and then it, it goes away quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not um, a big souvenir person. There's not anything I necessarily collect traveling. I always bought more presents for other people, my family members, my friends, um, especially because sometimes I would come back for the holidays or I'd be gone for the holidays. So I'd come back with their delayed Christmas present. Um, but I always felt like I was so fortunate to be the one traveling that I wanted to bring a piece of these places um back home to those I really cared for mm -hmm. and I wanted to share a piece of that with them so even my best friend's mom has um a house full of artifacts from around the world that are great conversation pieces oh that's great I like that <laughs> can you tell me a moment from recent past and it can be traveling or otherwise something that's been giving you joy 
Yeah, I mean, many things um, bring me joy, but something that, well, recently my fiance and I bought a house. So it's our first time buying a house. So it's something that we feel like is ours Mm -hmm. that we can, you know, sculpt into what we want it to look like. And um, we recently had a housewarming party and got to share everything. So that's something that we've been, uh, it's kind of been a passion project of mine outside of work, something I can focus on and decorate and put all my travel stuff up finally and out of boxes. Um, but then also we're getting married in June. So been able to kind of also use that as an outlet outside of work to be creative and to, you know, plan something really fun. Oh, I was going to ask you what you do for fun, but I bet that pretty much takes up your time. <laughs> Yeah, but honestly, my work is so fun. I, I'll work on the weekends. I work early in the morning to, you know, midday or something. If I, if I, you know, have the work or something, but it's just, I, I'm a big believer in doing stuff that you find joy in every day. I never wanted to have a business or a job that I was, it brought me so much stress. So I just wasn't happy to do because you won't get up and do it every day. So my business brings me, both of them brings me so much joy and just the community that I have within it. Um, it has been incredible to see them grow too. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what's coming up next for you? Do you have any programs or anything that you'd like to promote? Yeah, I mean, we always have something going on. It's going to be a busy 2023. Um, very excited. Every May, we have a Women Thrive Through Travel Mastermind virtual event for free. That has really grown over the years. I started it three years ago during the pandemic and has really transformed into this amazing virtual event uh, with usually between 400 to 500 um, attendees. So we're planning for that coming up in May. Um and really just growing the travel coach certification program and the network is always my main goal of providing value anywhere I can to any travel professionals. So I've loved seeing the transformation of the network become also travel agents and anyone from medical experts combining travel and their, you know, expertise in, in the medical field, um, tour operators, just really expanding all of that. Um, as a, I have many speaking events coming up this year where I talk about wellness tourism for companies. And so that's really exciting too. So how can people get a hold of you? What's your website? And are you approachable through your website? Yeah, absolutely. You can find us on, uh, if it's in the Travel Coach Network you're interested in, you can um, see us at the Travel Coach Network on Instagram and Facebook. Travel Coach Network. TheTravelCoachNetwork.com. Uh, if it is me or my wellness travel coaching you're looking for, I am Sahara Rose, the Travel Coach on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well. Well, oh, thank you, and I'll have all of that listed on the website for the show. Thank you so much for visiting with us today. This is really interesting. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. you so much for sharing your day with us. Please send feedback or your list to the voicemail link or to couragechecklist at gmail.com. Please follow the show and then follow us on Instagram at the courage checklist. Have a wonderful day.